Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. God bless you. I'm so glad that you're in this session. We are in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to be talking about three parables that the Lord gave in response to the criticism of the Pharisees when they saw the Lord Jesus receiving and eating with tax collectors and sinners. Now, I want to say this right off. Now, this these three parables are not just collections from notes, and they weren't thrown together, but these were spoken actually by the Lord immediately following uh, the criticism of the Pharisees. And so what does that say? Uh, that tells me, and it should tell you too, that uh, there is no one that can match the intellect of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the reason being is that he's God manifest in the flesh. And so when he speaks to the Pharisees and also he's speaking to all those that within that were within the sound of his voice, uh, these three parables, they all mean and have the same uh, meaning uh, that we as individuals and as members of the body of Christ, as followers of the Lord Jesus, uh, we have a duty and that duty is uh, to follow the Great Commission and to do those things that are pleasing in the Lord's sight. And so what we're going to see in these three parables is the compassion of the Lord to seek and to save that which is lost. So let's go ahead and pray and let's get into the word of God. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for instructing us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and to teach us, Lord, your will and to follow, Lord, uh, you in every area of life. And Father, for us to follow your compassion and your desire to see all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And we thank you, Father God, that you have honored us and given us a chance and an opportunity to participate and to partner with you in winning the loss. And we're so thankful for that, Father. Thank you, Lord, for including us into your plan and in your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. All right, we're going to start in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now listen to this. Then drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Notice that. Now, these were not just one or two. These were many. This was a multitude. And the Pharisees and scribes, scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, as I said earlier, you know, these parables were spoken of the Lord in response to the criticism of the Pharisees. In other words, he was teaching them, attempting to show them, amen, that they're not where they need to be with the Lord. Religious people oftentimes are not where they need to be with the Lord. And so as we go through these parables, we're going to see that either the church is going to ignore the lost, live wholly separated lives, when I say holy, I'm not talking about H-O-L-Y. I'm talking about W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy separated lives. Ignore the Great Commission. Amen. That God has given to us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Either that or we're going to obey the mandate and the command of the Lord to go into all the world. Amen. And, uh, and do just exactly what God has commissioned us to do. 
Now, the Pharisees, they lived such separated lives that through that, they had lost all compassion and mercy for those who were lost. They were called those that they were to have compassion for. They considered to be untouchables. And see, and the church cannot be that way. We cannot be that way. We must, even though we expose ourselves to hurt, even though we expose ourselves to harm, we must obey Christ's command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And thank God the church uh, uh, as a whole are, are doing that, praise God. And I, 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 when I say the church, I'm talking about the remnant. I'm talking about the called out ones. Amen. And so verse 3 says, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And so Jesus is saying here that every life is valuable. Now, let's look at this first of all. Now, the lost sheep, number one, knows that he's lost. And he cannot find his way back to the sheepfold. And that speaks to us of many in the church. Uh, they're good folks. They're saved people. They just wander off at times. Uh, they become lazy. Maybe they lack discipline. But they soon find themselves out of church. Now, they love the Lord and they live good lives, but they just will not, without whatever circumstance lies before them, uh, they just do not make themselves uh, or discipline themselves enough uh, to be a regular in the house of God and to be involved in the things of the church. And I know many that are like that. I mean, they love the Lord, they are saved, but they just, when it comes to church, when it comes to walking out, amen, their responsibility as uh, people who are have been grafted into uh, the vine and who are supposed to be members of the church fulfilling the Great Commission, oftentimes they don't do that. Now, that is disobedient. It is. Uh, and then many people, they just wander off. Well, it's the shepherd's responsibility to seek them out and to find them. Let's read this again. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Now, Jesus was speaking to every individual within the sound of his voice. And see, so that lays the responsibility upon you and upon me to seek these out, to find them. Amen. Uh, the pastor has to have compassion for these that wander off. And not just the pastor, but the church members. They have to have the compassion and the desire for these that wander off to get them back into church. And some of them will. They just they just need to have a gentle nudge, amen, to get back into fellowship with the Lord. Amen. So now, Jesus said this, if he lose one of them. Now, 
the thing here is that the sheep knows that he's lost. And he's lost because he can't find his way back into the sheepfold. And there are many like that in the world today. Amen. And it's the responsibility, your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's the shepherd's responsibility. Everyone in the church. Amen. To go off and to find these and to get them back in. And believe me, these sheep that wander off, they cry. They want to be found. Amen. Oftentimes, uh, the behavior of the wayward sheep is a cry out for help. If lost sheep want to be found, the Lord's going to recover them. Amen. But he's going to do that through you and he's going to do that through me. Amen. Praise God. There are many in the world today that are crying out. They're lost. They don't know how to get into fellowship with God. You know, they, they don't know how to, to get involved in a church. Many do. Many see their need and they, they get involved in a church. That's what happened to my mother. My mother found herself in church, but she was not saved. But she knew she needed help. She was lost. She didn't know exactly how to find her way, but she did find her way into church. And would you believe that through that experience, she got born again? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to listen to something that uh, that Jesus said concerning himself, the great shepherd of the sheep. He says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. Now, he's talking specifically about the religious order of that day. The hireling flees because he's an hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known of mine. As the father knows me, even so know I the father and I lay my life down for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And he's speaking here specifically of the Gentiles. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you weren't left alone? Aren't you glad that that you were on his mind? Amen. Before the foundation of this world was ever laid. So the shepherd in this parable, he leaves the ninety nine who are safe and he searches for the one who is lost and he searches until he finds it. Amen. God is walking and searching through it, going over all the earth, running to and fro throughout the earth, looking for these lost sheep to gather them into the fold. Amen. And see, the tax collectors and the sinners, they were the lost sheep Jesus was referring to. He received them. He ate with them. He fellowshiped with them. Amen. And he taught them. And the tax collectors and the sinners loved Jesus, and they were willing to follow him. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus, when he finds the lost sheep, notice the shepherd places the sheep on his shoulders and he carries it back to the fold. Wow. Isn't that, doesn't that speak to our heart today? We're all like that one lost sheep. But what did Jesus do? He bare us on his shoulders at the cross. And he brought us into the fold. He translated us from the power of darkness into the kingdom, into his very own kingdom. 
Amen. Jesus, he left his estate. Notice that he left his estate in heaven. He humbled himself. He took upon himself human flesh. And he did that in order to bring us into his sheepfold. And if Jesus did that, how much more do you and I need to carry the gospel and support the gospel to the ends of the earth in order to do the same? Praise God. Amen. See, that's what Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. They were criticizing him for receiving sinners and tax collectors and eating with them. What was Jesus doing? He was trying to win them to the Lord. See, the Pharisees, they wanted to exclude him. They wanted to exclude them. But Jesus was willing to go, amen, and to welcome them, to sup with them, and to minister to them. Praise God. All right, now we have the parable of the lost coin. This is found in Luke 15, 8 through 10. Notice that Luke records, or what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently. See the key word there, diligently, diligently till she find it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Now, isn't this an interesting parable? Here's a woman. She had 10 pieces of silver. She lost one piece, but she wasn't content until she found it. She lit a candle. She swept the house until she found that lost coin. And when she found it, she rejoiced. Amen. So this speaks to us again of the same principle of the the lost sheep. Amen. The sheep uh, in the first parable knew it was lost and wanted to be found. But in the coin, a coin doesn't know it's lost. A coin doesn't have any desire to be found. That's because the coin is dead. The coin, that coin has no life of its own. And there are many people in this world who are dead in trespasses and sins. They have no idea they needed to be saved. Maybe they're, they've been church members their entire life and they've never asked Christ to come into their heart and life. Maybe they've been a member of the church where the gospel is not being preached, just a social gospel. You know, something about doing good works. You know, this is how you're going to get into heaven. Like one woman told me she took in an orphan child and she told me this is how I'm going to get into heaven. No, that's not how you get into heaven. You get into heaven one way. And that is by bowing your knee, repenting of sin, ask Christ to come into your heart and life. Amen. Uh, receive the new birth and then spend the rest of one's life following him. Praise God. Now, notice the woman. This woman would not stop until that coin that was lost was found. To me, this is the power of intercession. Now, I believe in street corner preaching. I believe in getting out, you know, and, and, and introducing people and getting to know them, passing out tracts, talking to people about the salvation that's in Christ Jesus. But I'm telling you today that there are as many people that get born again and saved today because someone separated themselves to intercede and to pray for them. I'm telling you, that's the truth. We cannot hope to win this world for Christ if we do not have 
people within the church that God has specifically called to and anointed to pray for the lost and to intercede for the lost. That is a powerful tool of the gospel. So there'll be many sinners that they'll die and they'll go to hell if someone does not stand in the gap and intercede for them. Amen. God will work. See, when we pray, there's something about the power of God. There's something about faith that will reach over millions of people to get to one person whose prayers are prevailing in that person's life. And there are many in the world today. There's many in our cities today, in our towns today. They have, they have no idea they need to be saved. They're good church members. They do good works and they think that's enough to get them into heaven. It's not. And these people will never be found. They'll never be reached until they're sought after, until they're prayed over. Praise God. And that's happened. Listen, Christian history is so filled with people who separated themselves to pray for revival. And God answered their prayer. Revival came and many hundreds and thousands were saved as a result. But I want you to notice three things that this woman did. And this will be good for us today. Number one, when she began to seek for the lost coin, first thing she did is she lit a lamp. She shined her light. The greatest thing that you and I can do in witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ, being witnesses of him, is to shine our light. Let the gospel be known. Demonstrate the gospel. Praise God. But preach it. Amen. Preach it. Demonstrate it. The next thing that she did is that she swept the house. Notice that. She sought diligently until she found that coin. She made diligent search for what was lost. Amen. She went out. Just like you, you, you and I, we never, ever will be able to go, never called to go to a foreign field to minister the gospel. Never, ever be called to China, never, ever be called to Africa, not actually be called to go there physically. But when you and I get on our knees and we allow the Holy Spirit to move in our heart and life, we'll go all over the world. We'll touch people in China. We'll touch people in the Soviet Union or Russia, rather. We'll touch people down in South America. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will carry our prayers to those places if we'll just be diligent to follow him. Amen. So this lost coin will stay lost until people seek for it. Amen. So she lit a lamp. She swept the house. She found the coin that was lost. Notice that she shined her light. She swept the house. She made diligent search for that which is lost and she found it. Praise God. Amen. God rewarded her. Amen. For her diligent search. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now, this is the last parable, the parable of the lost son. Now, just to go ahead and paraphrase this parable. Uh, there are two sons in the father's house, the elder and the younger. And the father has already determined he's going to divide his possessions one day after his death, giving two thirds to the elder, one third to the younger. That's the normal way it was done. But the beforehand, the younger demands his portion of the inheritance and he leaves his father's house. He travels into a far country and he wastes his inheritance in riotous living. The younger son then becomes reduced to penury 
and with no one willing to help him. He's forced to eat with the hogs. He's so hungry. In other words, he hits the bottom of the barrel. Then he comes to himself. He realizes that life was so much better when he was at home in his father's house. So he humbles himself, becomes contrite. He travels back to his father's house. Amen. He humbles himself before the father. He begs forgiveness. He repents. And the father gladly receives his lost son back. He restores all of his previous privileges as a son. Meanwhile, the older son realizes what's going on and becomes incensed that the father would invite and welcome home the younger brother who had done his father wrong. And when he complained to his father, this is what the father says. He son, he says, you're ever with me and all that I have belongs to you. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for this. Your brother was dead, but now he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. Once again, the same principle in this parable, like the other two, applies to one thing and one thing only, to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. Now, this son, he didn't wander off. He intended to go. He intended to backslide. Like so many young people going off to college, I am so glad I'm getting out of this house because now when I'm out by myself, I can do what I want to. And normally, these are the ones that wind up in sin and ungodliness and defile themselves. But one day they're going to realize, they're going to come to themselves. Like one young girl I was uh, reading after, you know, she was raised in a Christian home. She went to college, you know, and she started adopting the party life. She was having, you know, sex with uh, all kinds of people and she was partying and she was getting involved in everything. And then after about a year or so of that, one day something on the inside of her began to prick her heart. And she sensed the emptiness and the void in her life. Well, she started going back to church. And then she went down to the altar and she asked for forgiveness. She repented and God came into her life. And then she started fully committing herself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And after that incident has led a fruitful life as a believer. See, that's the lost son. Those in the church that deliberately leave, you know, they are bound and determined they're going to live life the way they want to. They're tired of rules and regulations. They are rebellious. But one day, see, God's not going to, he'll come to them. He will not leave them alone. He will not abandon them. The shepherd will come to them. The Holy Spirit will will come to them one day. Something will happen. They'll see something. Amen. Something will prick their conscience. I know exactly what I'm talking about because that happened to me. I backslid for about a year and a half. I had no intention. I remember sitting in church and things were moving and and God was moving. And all of a sudden I said in my mind, I don't want this. I don't want any part of this. I didn't realize what I was doing. I was deceived by the deceiver. But after I had spent some time with Christian believers, those that were spirit filled, those that were really on for Jesus. I saw something and it pricked my heart and I began to question myself. You know, I don't have joy like they do. I don't have the peace of God that they do. I used to. What's wrong with me? What is it about me that I'm not experiencing what they're experiencing? And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. 
man, I'm lost. I, I'm backslid. I'm so far off from the presence of God. How did I get to this place? See, a lot of people that venture out like this lost son, they have no idea. They ask, they come to themselves and they say, what is it about me that I'm in this situation? What have I done? You see, and they find their way back. Praise God. They go back to the father's house. Well, see, you're an agent in that. I'm an agent in that. Paul wrote this to the Galatians, brethren, if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. Amen. Praise God. And oftentimes, you know, we go off. We can't find our way back. Amen. But the father, but the shepherd seeks us out and finds us. Praise God. So in case of the younger son, his intention was to wander into sin. He had already been deceived into thinking that he would be better off out of his father's house and that nothing bad would happen to him. He'd just gone ahead and live life the way he wanted to. You know, but most of these that do that, like myself, they don't realize just how much sin pays. It always costs more than what we're willing to pay. And that the pleasures of sin are only for a season. So this lost son, he comes to himself and he goes back to father's house. Praise God. Amen. Now, the father in this parable, he didn't go out looking for him. But the father was ever watchful, waiting for him to come home. And when the son did come back, the father rejoiced. He forgave the son. He showered him with blessings. He restored him to his place in the home. Amen. Praise God. See, there's one thing that we need to understand about people who are born again and they wander off into sin or they intend to go off into sin. See, they still have God's seed remaining in them. Amen. And in time and in season, they will be drawn back in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I love that. I love that. Now, God is not going to go physically get them and drag them back into church. No, but he's ever watchful. He's ever inter interceding. He's ever praying. And you and I, we need to have the same mind. But now listen to this. The older son who remained in the house and did everything in obedience to his father was mad and he would not rejoice that his other brother returned. But he but the father corrected him and showing him that he was to rejoice that his brother was who was lost was found. See, this is our heavenly father's heart towards those that wander off. And Jesus said this. He says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, you and I are to forgive him. Amen. And see, this is the crux. And the meaning of these three parables. We are to save that which is lost. We are to seek and to save that which is lost. And those that are in the house of God that wander off. Listen, we need to be ever praying for them. We need to go find them. Praise God. We need to welcome them back. And if they're determined to stay out of fellowship with God, then we don't forget them. We pray for them. We intercede for them and know that one day they're going to want they're going to come back. They're going to come to themselves. They're going to come back. They are going to come to themselves. 
they're going to realize that the pleasures of sin are only for a season. Amen. And the people who are genuinely slaved and backslide, they'll eventually come to themselves. They'll realize that life and fellowship with God is much better than yielding to sin and transgression. And what are they going to do? They will arise and they will go back to their father's house. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And then we can all rejoice because that which is lost has been found. Amen. Praise God. Father, we bless you today. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. Now, Lord, just take this word as we as we understand it, Father, and apply it to our life. Lord, we're asking you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rb. TC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life.